You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy topics we all love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 70, Batman Prey. Now joining me, I believe this is the hat trick. Yes, this, it is. For this guy. He is a he is a member of Batman on film. He also is a uh almost loves Spider-Man as much as Batman, but he may love James Bond more than Batman. It's even in his Twitter handle. It's Mr. Javi Truio. Javi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me for the third time, Ryan. I appreciate it. I mean, yes. I'm no Peter Arvera. I'm trying to catch up, <laughs> but uh well that guy he just kind of he he had a big fuss about not being on the show for like two months and so then uh yeah he just he just set up camp here in the the wayne manor study so i mean whatever what are you gonna what are you gonna do Uh, hey it's good with me i I love hearing you guys talk every month about that week's or that month's batman comics well thank you i those are that's a fun i've heard good feedback on that and it's it's nice to hear because it was definitely a thing that we said let's try it and if people don't like it or we get no feedback, well, then it doesn't mean we have to keep going. But it seems people enjoy it. So it's nice to hear. Uh, was was that intro correct? Do you love Spider-Man a little less and Bond maybe more than Batman? I don't know. I definitely love – I think I definitely love Batman more than Spider-Man. Yes. It's, my first comic that I remember getting was Spider-Man. But there's been some inconsistencies with that character. and. I guess there have been with Batman too. There's just different interpretations, right? Mm-hmm. But I think my my love and passion for Batman far outweighs Spidey. Now, when it comes to Bond, that's tricky because I mean that's one of my my favorite things from being a kid too. But it, it's it's hard to say because it's I mean you can go to the store and get a new Batman comic every week. It's easy to keep that love alive there's always new batman content but when it comes to james bond especially right now it's it's few and far between we haven't had a good game in over a decade um yeah we're six years now between movies and uh we got another book coming in another year so that's been two years i think since the last book and we have a comic from dynamite which i'm reviewing for the jamesbonddossier.com which has been good the last few months, but a couple storylines before that were kind of eh. So it, it's easy to consistently love Batman because yeah. there's always something going on. Um, and Bond can kind of sometimes drop off the radar, hmm. but it's always present in my life. I'm always yes. wearing the watch or using the pen or listening to music. So, And it, I feel like Bond, it's like which they try to do a little bit with Batman, but we definitely have our other new, you know, we've got comics for Batman always coming out and 
an animated series coming up and stuff like that. Whereas it seems like when Bond comes, it's almost an event each time because it's yeah, it's not rare. It's just every three years there at first or every two years and then now six years and how long until the next one. So I totally, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those back and forth things, too, because they kind of feed off each other in a weird way. Yeah. Um, if you look at like the Dark Knight trilogy, Nolan uses a lot of tropes from like the early Connery series, like the Joker having the knife in his shoe mm-hmm. is like Rosa Klebb. The way he gets uh, Lao out of Hong Kong is the ending of Thunderball. Um, you've got the guys in uh, Jezebel Jets men in uh, is it the Black Glove, mm-hmm. where they say that Bruce Wayne's much cooler than he's like James Bond and Bruce is like, Oh no, I'm way cooler than he is. Yeah. I think so. So there's, there's like a fun back and forth. There's even a couple of times where he's driven like an Aston Martin, be it in Batman v Superman or is it white Knight? I want to say it's something by Sean Murphy where he's got the Aston Martin that Timothy Dalton drove in the living daylights. So nice. Or Uh, Daniel Craig in no time to die. If you ever want to know anything car at all, go to anybody except me because I don't know anything <laughs> about cars. Um, but yeah, very cool. Well, you said Batman's always around, so you know I have to ask you, what Batman have you been reading lately, aside well, from what we're going to talk about? Well, I just read uh, Batman 114 this morning. Is that the most recent issue? We're, uh, we're getting oh. to the end of whatever this arc is leading up into fear state. The most recent, uh, the most recent Batman, issue. James Tynan. And okay. Yeah. Um, I read that this morning. Um, it was better than some of the past <laughs> issues. Um, I read the most recent detective, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, detective comics, not Batman, the detective. I still have to read number four for that. And outside of that, man, just, uh, the last weekend I was off, I binged, uh, all three volumes of Earth One in a day. That oh, was nice. fun. Wow! Yeah, you've been that, you've been uh, hitting the books. Yeah, that was that was a good read. I mean, I needed to read it because it's been so long since I've uh, read part one and part two. I mean, I've listened to the podcast with Garrett, but uh, it was it needed a refreshing before I went into part three, and I'm glad I did. It made everything feel more cohesive. Uh, yeah, I think so. I read that three times volume three uh as soon as i got it then again and then i did the whole earth one binge so to speak and i do think that it it reads better uh with a refresher from volumes one and two so i'm glad that that's the way that you experienced it can i ask you uh what what do you think of it oh i liked it a lot Uh, good i i don't know i think i like volume two the best same but one and three are, are pretty equal for me. I mean, he definitely, you know, tricks things up for volume three from like what we're used to with established continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's a different earth. I was okay with it. I thought it made for an interesting story and the way he handled um, without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't read it yet. One of the classic villains or a classic villain, maybe not a main classic villain, but one who's been around for a while. I like the, how we worked that into the story. I wasn't too keen on Catwoman's redesign. Okay. But happy to have her have her in there. Very cool. I I think 
It also could be wishful thinking. I don't think that they're done. I hope I that mean, they're not done. Come on. They certainly set it up to be more. We need one more at least. At least yeah. one more. Um, or at least rebranded as Batman and the Outsiders Earth One. Yeah. Something. Very much so. Uh, very cool, Javi. You've been you've been doing some good work here. Reading uh That's right. reading the good the good books. I gotta Today. fill in the gap between Bat Batman and Catwoman. <laughs> I know. It's just <laughs> a very long gap. It just keeps going. Oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, today though, we're gonna talk about a beloved, and I will say beloved because if you listen to episode fifty, this story made my top ten favorite Batman stories. We're gonna talk about Batman Prey, which was written by Doug Mensch, or as Justin Kowalski and I like to say, Doug M. Illustrated by Paul Gulesi. Gulesi? Uh, it was first released in the Legends of the Dark Knight title, which I talk about all the time on this show. Issues number 11 through 15 in 1990 and 1991. It was collected in a trade paperback. It was joined with its sequel, Terror, and collected in a trade paperback. It uh, is available digitally as well as DC Universe Infinite. So, Javi, for this episode, for your homework, which version do you have and did you read? Uh, well, when you first asked me if I was ready to go this week with this particular story, I was like, sure. But I was at work and I didn't have the comics with me. So I started off with DC Universe Infinite. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I got home, I went to the back issue box and pulled out the floppies. So I read the single issues for uh, chapters two through five. Nice. Then loved it so much, I went back and read uh, the first issue in print. There just you go. to see the experience again. Yeah. How's the how's the print? How are your issues holding up? Um, pretty well. Good. Um, the the colors. I mean, it was something back in the day. Like this was a dollar fifty comic mm -hmm. back when comics, I think, were a dollar. Maybe yeah, they're about a dollar. I think in ninety. So you're definitely paying more for this premium paper, and it it's held up for these thirty one years. But for some reason. I don't know why I have two copies of 11 and two copies of 12. Huh. Now my first copy of 11 is kind of messed up. It looks like however I bought it had water damage. So I assume I bought a good version. I have no idea why I have two copies of 12, but I do. So, <laughs> but you do yeah. an embarrassment of riches. So yeah. uh, I have the, it looks like when I look at the, the, the credits here that this was printed in 2012, but this is the Batman Prey. It's just called Batman Prey, but it comes with Batman Prey and, like I said, the sequel, so to speak, of Terror, which was also in Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, in one collection, which you and I were speaking right before we started recording, you said that your digital version has this kind of trade as the, the option, right? Yeah. The one I own through the soon to be defunct apparently dc app which is linked with comiXology has prey and terror um so i kept going and i read terror through my through the app through the comiXology version um since it was all just there in one place i didn't have to click from one issue to the next it's it's well, I, don't, I don't think i've ever reread terror since it came out which i think was 2000 so that was fun to to, revisit. to refresh myself on that and I see don't, the differences in color. 
I I bought that one because this is like right when I had a when I came to college and I had a comic shop near me. I was just buying any collected Batman's that I could, and Terror was available, so I just read it, having no idea that Prey even existed. And then, oh wow, uh, eventually learned of Prey and how that was connected to Terror, and I was like, oh well, I'll be damned. Uh, Prey, it's it's interesting in how it's so early on in the Legends of the Dark Knight world title yeah. so third such story a, such a beloved story and it, it's almost it's so rare physically i have so you know it was 11 through 15 i have i think two or three of the five issues but none consecutively i have the first issue and i think yeah. i have like th- three and five or just like one and three or one and four Cause it was just a thing of my own of like, this is one of my favorite stories. I want to get the physical issues. And so I just have the first chapter and then one or two other randoms. And I need to track those down. Now, do you remember the first time that you, that you read this? It had to have been late nineties. Probably. I didn't read it when it first came out. Um, because 1990, I was 13. Mm-hmm. and did not have the resources that I have now to get comics. <laughs> so, I mean, back then I was pretty much just amazing Spider-Man, Batman, mm-hmm. X-Men, the occasional Flash. So while I was aware of the title and that this book was out of continuity and not mature audience, but more of an adult yeah. vibe going on, um, it just it wasn't something that I, I really picked up back in the day and then kept hearing, you know, things about certain storylines and wanting to revisit them. So it, the legends of the dark Knight book is interesting. It's one I've always been kind of intrigued by and I dip my toe in every now and then yeah. there's some really good stuff in there. And one of these days I'm going to sit down on DC universe and just binge the whole thing just to not miss out on anything. That's a mission. That's a mission I have as well. That's a goal. I don't, like I said, I read Terror first, and then I learned of Prey. Now, there wouldn't have been so. There's I looked it up also, and like, there's a printing in like the UK, I think, of mm-hmm. Prey that came out in like 1992. I don't know if the US also had had an early collection. I couldn't track that down, but I don't know how I would have read Prey. Yeah, when I did prior to this collected trade here that has prey and terror, because it, it says this is 2012 and I quickly go to wait, that's when Batman earth one volume one was released. I had read prey oh a couple of times before. <laughs> yeah. I'd read prey a couple of times before that, but I have no idea how it had gotten my hands on prey. So I can't tell you the first time that I've, I read prey. I, I don't remember. It was sometime between 2007 and 2012. <laughs> I was an adult. It's- that's weird because you would. I know I've got an old trade for Gothic, and mm-hmm. I would imagine that Shaman had one as well. So you think they would have kept going with Prey in the U.S. Because then they did Venom, which was right after Prey. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's a new mission. I got to track this down. I need it because it's one of my favorites. Now, last time you like you can you should get a trophy for most stressed episode. Because the last time you were on (laughs) was Batman R.I.P. And that was a difficult book to discuss because I still don't know how I feel about that book. 
And no see, <laughs> every time I, I hear you bring it up on an episode since that one came out, I feel like I failed in my mission to like make you love and appreciate this story. I'm like, ah, you did. It's just- you did not fail because I don't <laughs> think even after a long discussion, I don't think my needle swayed either way. I think I am still in the same spot I was when we talked about it and how <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to dump on this. Javi loves it. But there's some stuff I just don't like and I can't deal with. And then there's other stuff that I think is cool. And then there's so much in between that when we were done, I was whooped. But you mentioned Batman Prey for your next time. I think that's how you won me over. But you didn't even know how much <laughs> I how much I loved Prey when you chose it. But why did no. you, why did you choose Prey? Because. I'm greedy and I was getting worried that all the good legends, I mean, there's probably lots of good legends of the dark Knight stories out there, but I was worried that all the classic ones were getting scooped up by everybody else. And I wanted to get in on that, on that legends of the dark Knight love. And, uh, I just, uh, Paul Glacey, like, I just, I love his art. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, Doug Mensch is, is it Mensch or Munch? I thought I read somewhere where they said it rhymed with lunch. Like I, I've heard it so many ways, and I think that is why Justin and I were like Doug yeah. M. Doug he's, M. We know who we're talking he's, about. <laughs> he's written so many different Batman titles throughout so many different decades, and it's just I feel like he doesn't get enough praise for just being the solid writer that he is. Yeah. Um. And. You know, Glaciak, I think I came to him first through, of all things, like Batman Predator 2. And when I when I was a younger man in my teens, I was a little more picky with art. Or No, I'll rephrase that. I was more narrow-minded in okay. what kind of art I liked. And his was a very clean, uh, dynamic style that I just grabbed onto. Um, so it was easy for me to to jump into this because it just felt more accessible to me. It wasn't like sketchy, like Frank Miller could do sometimes or um, Kelly Jones was someone I did not like Mm -hmm. back when he was first on Batman in the nineties. And now that's something that I, I really appreciate and dig. So it, it was easy for me to get into his art style and to, to jump into both not only Batman predator too, but, Prey as well because I had that familiarity with him and I just loved how clean everything looked and cinematic. He has a very he has a good eye for sequential storytelling and and making it feel like a movie. Even his his action scenes, like you can tell that you know he he knows how to portray those like a still from a movie. Mm-hmm. So and he did a lot of work with Mensch on um, Shang Chi back in the day before they Mm. so i i know he's done that he's also done some bond he did a james bond there uh, it is it was the serpent's tooth (laughs) back in the day so he's a man who's touched many different franchises in his career very cool to go back to your first initial point of you were getting greedy and everybody's going to take all the good ones i i get that because i was thinking too of like Maybe I need to slow down this as excited as I get to record episodes and get episodes out. I was also like, maybe I need to slow down because we might run out. And then what happens? I mean, the as you saw the past few episodes at this point, uh, 
I mean, Ego, The Cult, the 1989 Deluxe Edition epi- or episode. You know, there's and there's still so many books that I can think of off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, yeah, we haven't covered that. Haven't covered that. If you want to go through the Legends of the Dark Knight, there's so many arcs in that yeah. title alone that are really, really good, including another one of my favorites. But so it surprises me that it took this long for somebody to pick Prey, but I'm glad also that um, like, I'm glad this wasn't the first episode because Pete, for the first episode of this show, you know, it was year one. The big kahuna. Yeah. And I feel like I was, Pete was classic Pete. He was good. He was a home run hitter. Nailed it. But I think I was very rusty and just not great. And that might be one that I need to, I need to revisit in the future and justify. And then the long Halloween, my favorite was episode two. So I'm still finding my footing. And hopefully by now, I think I have that I am ready to talk about prey. With that being said, let's dive in, Javi. Let's do it. So we open up on a dark, cold. No, I'm just kidding. So the first thing that's uh, fun, that's interesting to me, is definitely the timeline placement of the story, because it's one that can stand on its own. But you definitely can. This to me can you can justify that it takes place like right after year one, for sure. And the I know this was the beginning of the Legends of the Dark Knight title, and in launching that they wanted smaller arcs and they wanted it to take place in earlier Batman's or like the earlier years of Batman's career. So it definitely fits the framework of the year one universe and is even deliberately like mentioned. And we get one panel of when Bruce saved uh, baby Gordon from year one, that's acknowledged in this story. So it's, that's great. But then I feel like that's the only one that you should even really worry about trying to make sense of anything because yeah. there's, I think uh, Batman and the monster men by Matt Wagner was supposed to be, it was almost seen as like, this is a prequel to that. That story is a prequel to prey. Um, a prequel, maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but there's a, that makes a lot of flaws and things that don't work. And then you have strange apparitions, which is, definitely all Hugo strange and to try and make that work too. So where I think you just have to, I think you just need to not worry about the connections and you can say, Oh yeah, this comes after year one. And then don't even worry about the other stories that feature uh, some of these characters. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think from its inception, it was kind of supposed to be um, in this post year one post crisis on infinite earth reality here is a version of what may have happened in Batman's early yeah. years. And that that's what I remember, you know, the buzz of it from back in the day. And on this recent read, like right from the get go, um, from the first panel, mm-hmm. the way that the narration goes where it's in cursive. Yeah. I immediately thought of year one, like this is Bruce writing in it in a black case book, maybe. Um, telling his his side of the story, and then that that continued because then when you get to Gordon's part of things, it's um, in print basically. Mm-hmm. It's it looks like it's typed. It's a different font. Yeah. So it, it felt very much like this is a, a sequel to Batman Year One. Like this is definitely in Year Two. He's Captain Gordon. Um, 
and they're dealing with, you know, like with the long Halloween dealt with, this is the transition from, from the criminal element leaning towards maybe the more psychological and the, the freaks. Yeah. And there's a couple of the things that we get in this story with the origin of like a Batmobile and a bat signal. Mm-hmm. So it still feels very, you know, prototypical Batman, which makes makes it more interesting, I think, because he's still <laughs> trying to figure out how to do this the right way. He's not the the perfect Bat God that we see in like modern comics. Um, when things go wrong, he has to walk all the way back to Wayne Manor. Yes. And that's, and- that's not something you would expect to see. <laughs> no, and... Something that you touched upon there in early another nod to like the year one part is the bat glider. Yeah. Uh that's used here, and that I can totally visualize that being used in you know in the year one story. It it almost as if I get it uh the panels themselves mixed back and forth. Um I think so it's definitely got like this follows year one. It feels totally year one for some reason aspects of this, like you just said with Batman walking to Wayne Manor and then inside the Batcave, and kind of like how his house almost seems a little castle ish. And seeing as this would, this was coming, you know, a year after Batman 89, like aspects of this also just make me think of Batman 89, the movie. Yeah. Like that's definitely an influence too. And no, not directly. It's not like the Joker looks like Jack Nicholson or Alfred looks like Alfred Goff or anything like that. It's just the vibe, the atmosphere, and definitely like the the castle, you know, the castle look to Wayne Manor and stuff like that. It just it that made me think of Batman eighty nine. And then I I'm going blank in Catwoman is her suit is gray in year one, right? I haven't read it in over yeah. a year. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So aesthetically not colored, but it seems pretty close and similar. Very raw bare bones, which a lot of times Catwoman's suit is anyway. But um, I think that flows from year one as well. So I think I'm, I'm definitely making the point that I think this follows Batman year one, right? Like, is that what you're getting out of everything I keep saying over and over? (laughs) Yeah. And she, she's definitely got like, it's purple in this, but it's all one color. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's almost like a purple gray. Yeah. Um, And I may be confusing this with, with terror. I think I am. She also, she's still fighting. Um, for her own identity. She's yeah. trying to make that distinction that she's not one of Batman's partners, that she's her own person. And uh, it may be terror where she's robbing people and just leaving a little scratch. She did that. Show the, that she did that in pray for sure. Is it, uh, yeah. Is it this one? Okay. Definitely after like the, the newspaper had said about like them working together or something, she got kind of pissed off about that. So the next robbery, she just went into the bedroom and scratched a woman on her bare back and was just basically saying, like, I am my own. I'm my own person. And then even as the night scourge himself is scourge or scourge scourge scourge. Okay. Uh, as the three of them are fighting on the rooftop and he even alleges that they're working together and she even, she pops Batman in the head even. And it's just like, I don't need your help. So she is like, 
that she's, you know, she's her own person. She doesn't need help. She doesn't need to be a part of something. She's very focused on her. She's independent. Um, I was going to go into each character that, I mean, I wasn't going to start with her per se, but it seems like we're just, let's start with Catwoman in this of she's very minor, but I, it's almost like it's a fun treat for us to read her parts of she's just in the developmental stages. And I really like that aspect of her because she seems, she seems uh, like a great follow-up from year one, but kind of gets rid of the, you know, some of the, some of the aspects that maybe some people don't like that Frank Miller. Yeah. Contribute or tags onto her there but uh i yeah i just really like i like her scenes and moments in this that if they were pulled out of the story it wouldn't drastically affect it but it's just also that's part of batman prey and i really like it so i'm glad that it's included well it's it's cool to see her in there to because they're so antagonistic with each other yeah um and so it's nice to see that framework of where it all kind of began and What's really interesting is she she's heavily in the first half of the story, mm-hmm. but then she kind of drops off by the end, and we don't see her anymore. So I found it weird when I wanted to continue and went to Terror, where she's much more of a, an element that, you know, if you read it all in like the trade that you have, it's one big cohesive narrative. But, I mean, those two stories are almost a decade apart. So it's interesting that she got used and and kind of put aside for this other story that wound up getting told a decade later. Yeah, I think definitely in Prey, if it was a movie, she'd get like fourth billing, whereas in yeah. Terror, she'd be second. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like her, I like her interpretation. I like what they do with her. I think she's it's a win. It's it's. I space out my readings of Prey so that it's just full on joy when I read it again and somewhat yeah. so like I remember what happens, but not specifically panel by panel breakdown. I don't know this. Like I know the long Halloween, but uh, <laughs> I like her. I like the version of <clears throat> her version in here. Another long time character is as we've sort of touched upon is Hugo strange. Love the use of Hugo strange here. What a dick. What a pompous <laughs> a-hole this guy is. And I think the, t- the clock is ticking for him to show up in a Batman movie and he can be done so well. Arkham city has maybe the, the game has maybe used, utilized him the best because he like, man, he was so effective in that game and it just shows the, yeah. p- the potential of Hugo strange. And then in this too, of how he is smart enough that he can deduce Batman's identity and he, and it, typical villain fashion he likes to be a cat playing with the mouse here of toying with with bruce or batman you know on i know your identity and playing a game of it making a game of it and i i just love how he what a nuisance and his con- mind control basically of max max whole court which we'll get to uh yeah how do you feel about hugo in this i i liked him he's a he's a strong character to have against Batman um, because of his obsession and his knowledge. And I feel like he gets overlooked a lot Mm -hmm. as he is one of those Batman villains that 
was there at the beginning of his career. So it's fitting that he's in this early on too. I, good point I there. He is. He's one of like the first villains that we'll always hop to, you know, Joker, Two-Face, Riddler and such. And it's like, but Hugo, like he was there almost from the get-go. He's like 39 or 1940. Yeah. Like he's yeah. one of the early like detective 36 maybe or 35. You talk I slowly. Re- I'm going to ask my friend Google. I, I reread it too on, on the aforementioned DC Universe Infinite mm-hmm. um, just to kind of see if there are any similarities uh, between the two. And Bobby there with is the a win. Mo- Detective there Comics is a moment- 36. Well done. There we go. There, there is a moment in chapter one mm-hmm. where Strange is on the TV and he's saying stuff and it's getting Bruce um, angry. So angry that he's holding a glass in his hand and it, it breaks. And there's a moment in Detective 36 where Batman has foiled Strange's plans and Strange crushes a glass in his hand, which nice. I mean, it's, it's a small connection. It may not even be something that Mensch intended, but it's a nice parallel. Blowing my mind here, Javi. Yeah. Blowing my mind. Well done. Good call. But I, but yeah, I agree with what you say. I know that he's been, he's been on obviously the animated series where they did one of the Engelhart uh, stories. Yep. And he's been on the Batman. He was, I think it was Frank Gorshin mm-hmm. voiced him in that. I think the and first I, episode, I know the it, first appearance in the Batman, and I forget who took over because Gorshin died. Yeah. I forget. But yes, you are correct. And then he was on Gotham, and I didn't, I had already dropped off that show by that point. So that's a, a Peter Vera question to see how well they did. It's his favorite show. He knows everything about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, BD Wong looked good in the pictures I saw. I he agree. Looked I, like Strange. I'm like, man, he looks awesome. He looks like Hugo Strange. I kind I d- kind of don't care, though. I'm not going to tune in yeah. and watch. <laughs> and there are definitely elements of Batman Begins that I see in this book. Okay. I don't know if Nolan read it, but. You know, he would have, I think he would have been utilized well in Nolan's world had he gone that route. I'd be interesting to, to see with Matt Reeves, what Matt Reeves would do with something like that. There's a, a dinner scene, like a party in uh, issue 12, which is chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, with the mayor and Hugo Strange and Bruce Wayne shows up. Um, and the mayor's daughter, Catherine, who becomes a hostage later on in the story. Uh, but they're, of course, talking about Batman trying to break down his psychology. Uh, and it feels very much like like Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, to where Catherine, you know, rips into Bruce a little bit. Because Batman, you know, dares to do something about the crime instead of going out at night and going to elegant dinner parties. Like, it just reminded me of, you know, Bruce in the hotel with the two women and, you know, going swimming. and Rachel you know, rips into him a little bit, you know. Uh, but it definitely felt like it had some bearing on that scene in Batman Begins. Very cool. I love these observations, Javi. Keep yeah. them coming. Keep them coming. I I like, yeah, I like that link. I think that's, that's a great link too. And Bruce having to play it in the total Bruce Wayne way. But I mean, he's finding it's so 
I love those. I love those kind of scenes in comics, TV shows, movies where it's like, okay, deep down, you just found an ally, but you can't reveal that they're an ally. Instead, you've got to have the opposing view to your ally and seem like an a-hole. And so therefore, like, you're not their ally, but uh, Batman has an ally. <laughs> it's just those scenes always kind of work for me, but are also a little stressful because it's like, no, no, no. Come on. Just be friends. Yeah. Come on. Just be friends. Be like, thank you for supporting Batman. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Do you know where, where Strange's obsession with dressing as Batman came from? Was that part of the Marshall Rogers Engelhart run? See, this is where I'm getting old because right, I just did... Strange apparitions, Strange apparitions earlier this yeah. year. And I, cause I was thinking that same thing and I didn't have, I don't have my copy like on me. I think I read it maybe last year. I didn't know it was that short. Like it feels like it should be longer. Cause there are parts of that story that I read in other collections growing up, like the greatest Joker stories. Okay. Those weave in and out. So the mannequin part where he's talking to the mannequin, I always confuse that of like, wait, was that strange apparitions or is that prey? Which one? And I always get that right. confused. He definitely, because yet again, he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman in strange apparitions. So a common theme here with Hugo strange, he's smart enough to figure it out. And then he plays with, he plays with the knowledge. Uh, but then he, he does start the one, the one issue where he is dressed up as Batman. And then he rem- in total James Bond fashion removes the mask and it's Hugo right. strange underneath. So, that's definitely in Strange Apparitions. I don't know if it was ever done before Strange Apparitions. Uh, but well, yes, a, that was in Strange Apparitions. There's a Gotham Knight storyline that I wanted to reread after reading this too. That's Hugo Strange-centric. And there are some great Brian Boland covers yeah. where he's like uh, drugging Catwoman, but it's Batman like holding the chloroform up to her face and stuff. And DC Direct did a line of figures and they uh, were in Boland style and they have like a Batman that you could take off his head. Like he came packaged with uh, a Hugo strange head. Mm-hmm. So you have like a Hugo strange head on a Batman body. So there, there's, it's part of his character that he likes to dress up as Batman. Apparently at least to someone at DC where they decided to immortalize it. As far as I know, that's the only Hugo strange figure there is. And it's with the Batman body. Classic. Um, yeah, and that that Gotham Knights, actually, DC just released, like, last year, they started releasing those in collected trades, at, like Batman Gotham Knights. The first one was Transference. The second one was Contested. Hmm. And, yeah, the I think it's – and I read uh, – did I read them both? I think I read them both. And up through both of them, Ballin did uh, both – did the covers for each issue and they're fantastic covers because yeah. of course it's Brian Bullock. <laughs> of course. They're I think, amazing. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the reasons why I bought that title is just for the covers. And then you have mm-hmm. the black and white backups in the back. And that's, that's another one of those unsung Batman titles that just doesn't get enough love. Cause there, there are so many okay stories, but there are so many good stories in there too, where a lot of stuff like good character work came out from that title well they're my first reads of that that series and it's these uh collections that they've been releasing and i'm like all of the issues are available in dc universe i don't need to spend the money and buy the trades (laughs) i don't need to take up more space but then i'm like since when did i ever start letting that dictate 
Batman books I buy. Like, come on, right. <laughs> come on. And I didn't buy them yet. And it looks like I need to need to act fast because they're about to be out of print. Um, so I need to hop to. I mean, they're not out of print. Don't go buy them right now. Make sure I make up my mind and then we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, Hugo Strange. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Uh, a new character created here is Mr. Max Court. Now, what's his official uh, title within GCPD? Is he Sergeant? Yes, Sergeant. Sergeant Max, might even say Maxwell Court, who is he's temperamental. It's a little angry. He definitely crosses the lines because whatever he has to do uh, to get the bad guy. Now, I do love this and how it's somewhat a common thread of bringing into Batman stories that I think is always effective. Of You have a guy who's kind of crossing a line but he's doing what he needs to to get the bad guy. In the call a few episodes ago, we talked about that and how Deacon Blackfire's cult were coming up and they were killing criminals. And citizens of Gotham were very much like, they're getting rid of the bad guys. Like, I kind of don't care. Yeah. So how is Court perceived as a bad guy here when it's like he's trying... like? He's, he's very effective as a cop, but then he becomes a villain because it's like, you got this guy going after Batman. Okay, that's not cool. But then the way that he teams up with Strange, although he's he gets, there's just a lot to court, even though you can just see like, oh, he's just a really angry guy. It's like, no, no, no. It's a, yeah. They do a lot with him in this story, and I really, really like that because it seems, it seems original. It doesn't seem like this is just a retread of another character story. Does that make? Well, I feel like, I feel like he was created because um, he's a Lieutenant Brandon type of character from year one. Yeah. But the way year one ended, like a lot of those cops went away at the Mm -hmm. end um, or got taken out in dark victory. But uh, so he kind of fills that, that gap of, of creating that tension between Batman and law enforcement, because they're not, they're not buddy buddy yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not waiting for him to give him his briefing at the top of police headquarters. So he, he fulfills that role. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about it is in chapter one, when the mayor goes to Gordon and makes him form this vigilante task force, he goes for like the one guy that's like gung ho and ready to, to kill Batman basically. And, and makes him second in command of the task force. It's like, why would you do that? Like, this is like the last guy you want. But it it speaks to Gordon's inexperience still. He just recently got promoted to captain. Um, and it just, it goes into like, everyone's still at the beginning of their careers. They're making mistakes. And Gordon realizes, I think by the next issue, like this was not the best idea that I had. Like I can't control this guy. He's already going off the rails. Um, so while he's, he's a familiar template, he, he merges in the story in a way that, that makes him different than other characters we've seen before. And, and just kind of heightens everyone else around him as well, while they have to figure out, okay, how do we still deal with this? Cause at one point Batman's like, I I'm on the outs with the cops. Yeah. Like I was just starting to get in, you know, into some kind of partnership and now they're after me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it was nice to to go back to some of that tension. In which do you remember after the Dark Knight ended? Uh, that I mean, it wasn't that there was that there was any kind of tips or anything. I think it was just people saying what would be what would be the angle for the next movie. And this this story was definitely thrown around because of that aspect of the police hunting hunting back. Yeah. And it, and then when and yeah, see that's what that's what makes me think that like I read Prey way before I bought this trade because 2012, the year of the Dark Knight Rises, and yet before I yeah. ever knew what the Dark Knight Rises was going to be, it was like, hey, maybe Prey, and I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. So um, I love that the vigilante. It's so it's great. And we'll move next to Gordon real quick, but for Max Court, Gordon needs to find someone that's going to do something without being able to accomplish the whole task. Um, and it sounds like I've got a GC or a Gotham ambulance or a fire truck coming. This this podcast is on fire, Javi. That's right. It's the sounds of Gotham herself. <laughs> it really is. But then stopped. So maybe he decided at the last minute doesn't need to keep going. So anyways, uh, orders by the mayor, you know, Gordon, you need to get this task force up and running. Okay, court. Court's a hothead, but I don't think he'll get results, but it'll show that we're doing something, but not being able to do something. And then, yeah, like you already said, oops, maybe this wasn't a good choice. Oops, there is like speed bump after speed bump that now Gordon your clock's ticking. If something doesn't happen here by this date, you're out. And so then it even in more of a, of a pickle as core is now being manipulated by strange and takes on a new persona as the night scourge who is a maniac with a sword. But then again, he's going after criminals. So how bad is he? But then he's, he's killing people and Batman's like, no, I don't kill people. So that's what separates the two. And then he goes up against Batman and fails multiple times and realizes I am not as good as he is. And I just using him somehow in live action would be really, would be really cool too. Definitely not the, the main villain, you know, he's not Joker level, two face level, but definitely a subplot that could be done and be really cool. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like he can't exist as the night scourge without being manipulated by a master villain, which is where Hugo Strange comes in. And, and not just the fact that he's going out and maiming and killing criminals. It's the fact that he's not in his right mind because he's being manipulated and, and brainwashed. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before he takes out an innocent bystander. And that's where the real threat comes in. Yeah. He's just, he's a loose cannon. The loose cannon. Um, let's go, let's hop into Jim. And then if I, ha- if I have some more with corks, I feel like I did. So Gordon, I love the, p- the position that they put him in. Cause he, after, you know, to follow year one, which is arguably, a Gordon story. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of screen time here, but also it's very effective. And you know, the position that he's in and how tough it is both ways. So he has to kind of sever his ties with Batman temporarily, even 
It's like, I got to ask you to not come and contact me because I'm in the hot seat. I can't, I can't do this. And then I love ultimately when that gets repaired, when Batman reaches out to him and said, will you trust me one last time? Well, this is after Gordon has put together that court is most likely the night scourge. And it's like, yeah, we've got to bring him in because he's not, he ain't good. But I, I love what they do with, with Gordon here. Uh, with Gordon here too. They just do a great character work. I think about like we can wrap all of this. We've been talking like the last 20 minutes of just such great character work on everyone involved. I feel like uh, you're a hundred percent right on your observation about Gordon isn't yeah. in it that much. If you, if you compare it to Batman year one, certainly I would totally agree with you. That's more of a Gordon story mm-hmm. than a Batman story. Um, but I feel like what we do get of Gordon in this is the right amount. Like he doesn't yeah. overpower the Batman of it all. Um, we still have a lot to establish with Hugo strange, but he's vital to this story in, in terms of the task force and being Batman's informant on the inside and the dilemma he's got to face um, in whether or not he should aid him and the bat signal and, I, I think he's in it just the right amount and that he's not just, if you watch like Batman forever, Batman and Robin, like there's no point to Gordon in that movie. No, he's just sadly. there for some exposition. And that's that it. Yeah. Not personal, but, man. <laughs> <laughs> in this, I mean, he's, he's crucial, even though he's not yep. the main focus. And, you know, I, I love Gordon as a character, but I'm here for the bat. Yeah. I agree. I'm with you. And so, I mean, that's just, and by breaking down his main character like that, I mean, we've kind of encapsulated the, the story of, of prey and what it's about. And I think it's, I love how grounded it is. Another aspect of how it can be related to year one. It's very grounded. It's not a nuclear bomb is headed toward Gotham. No, it's very, it's character-based. It's, you know, criminals and that's the, that's the threat. That, that, that's the almost injustice that we need to, um, that we need to take down. And I feel like the book has a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue and Bruce's inner monologue and such going on throughout the whole book, but it still kind of moves. There's like, things are happening throughout and it is almost up until the very last page is when it finally gets resolved and i really i really appreciate that too like we open on this sequence of max court being introduced to us and then he's there almost until the very last page to where it's like they don't waste any time getting us up and running and i i really like that and i like i i do like the continuation of the year one the year one universe and not in the way of like in title only. Um, Cause even the jump from year one to long Halloween, long Halloween scene as the sequel to year one. It's like, Oh, there's still, even if it was only six months, more sirens. <laughs> it's never quiet in Gotham city. Uh, even though if it was like, just like six months, 
a lot happened there. Batman has found yeah. his footing. He's more of an ally with GCPD and him and Gordon have almost a relationship that we expect from them later on. And so anything that can take us stories that are closer to year one without contradicting anything of year one, I'm always a fan of. And I, I think that really makes me appreciate Prey even more. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting how DC decided to tell this new origin of Batman. If you look at like year one, year two, year three, um, they didn't just repeat year one. They went like, well, here's just a little short story that took place during year two. Yeah. And like Prey could very easily like, it doesn't contradict anything in year two. Mm -hmm. Um, It just adds to year one and feels almost more like a sequel to year one than Batman year two does. Yeah. And uh, I, I was trying to think like, how well does this even fit in with the long Halloween? I don't think it contradicts anything in that story. Like prey could very easily be just one of the weeks, you know, between the end of year one and slide in between, you know, when the Roman, absolutely. uh, When, you know, when they had the big wedding and Johnny VD was murdered. Yep. I agree with that. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you'd like to, to bring up story character characters? What we do you think of the, too much? Oh no, go ahead. What do you think of the night scourges uh, costume? Uh, it, it feels very uh, Gulacy. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Okay. It seems like a, a, a simpler shredder to yes. me. I've always thought of it as like, oh, even the colors with the purple. It's like, that's the shredder. If the shredder has to uh, simplify a little. It's very, it's very ninja. Yeah. Um, and with the spikes and everything. And it, it's definitely not typical. I, I wonder how like he got to that look like in the story wise. Because it, Strange's whole thing is about, you know, he's dressing up as Batman in the in a version of the costume, what he thinks it looks like, to to feel that power. And part of that is, you know, the the demonic aspect of Batman's look. So it's interesting to me that he because Strange gave him this costume, gave him the implanted suggestion to do this, that he went for basically, you know, pointy ninja. Mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't seem like something that uh court would wear. Like, it doesn't seem like his style per se. Um, so you would think he would make some other type of creature than street ninja. A ninja street ninja. Yeah. Oh, you, you keep mentioning it's very ghoulish. So I, don't know much of his work so uh what's you've already mentioned predator 2 maybe what's what are some other titles that we would know or maybe be more familiar with trying to think because he did it's interesting here we're talking prey but if you go to terror i think it's very different i think his art and praise or in terror is very different from 
prey. And I know that's a decade, a decade separation, but, uh, and maybe that's part of like, I don't even think it's inking because inking is done different. Inking is by Jimmy Palmiotti for terror and it's uh, Terry Austin, Terry Austin yeah. for, for prey. But I, that's not exactly, I don't know. I just think it's just a little bit different. So yeah. What are some other, what's some other examples of his work? That, I mean, the ones we mentioned are the prime ones that I think about, which is weird okay. because he's just a name that I've known for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, other than the Marvel stuff, and he's done some Dark Horse stuff as well. But man, that, I guess that that is really all all of this stuff when it comes to Batman is those three stories that I can think gotcha. of. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I haven't read the Predator two, so I'm not hop on it. What do you think about his art overall in this book for Prey? I I really enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. like he's got like I said, it's just it's very clean looking. Yep. He keeps with that Batman Year One aesthetic, uh, which unfortunately means no Team Yellow Oval. But well, it, there's a there's a yellow oval in some of the scuffles. Do you remember seeing that? Uh, see if I can figure. I think well, it's uh, strange. Strange has a version of the yellow oval, which made me wonder, like, was that an influence for Batman to adopt it later on then? Well, in, so whenever they're fighting above the party, so it's part three. So in chapter three, which would be issue 13, Batman and night scourge can crash and or Yep. They crash through the window. You turn the page and then, like that second panel where Batman's standing and facing him, you can see like there's yellow, there's a yellow oval going on. And then you follow, yes, you yeah. follow as you make your way down the last panel on that in that page, and there's a yellow oval. But then you go to the very next panel on the next page, there's no oval, and it's so gone again. Yeah, I noticed it. I noticed it in this in this part. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. It's not clearly, it's not a big deal, but it's just something that I noticed, and because that hashtag team yellow oval is ingrained in my brain. Whenever I see it, it stands out now. I didn't catch the second one, but I, I definitely did catch the first one you mentioned. And it's, it's almost like it's a lighting effect because it's not the typical yellow oval shape. It's yeah. more taking over his whole chest. Yeah. So I don't oh, that's interesting. It's very small detail, but. Um, it's, it stood out cause I'm a nerd, but I totally agree with you saying that his, his art overall here is very clean. And I think that helps with it feeling grounded. And I wouldn't say gritty though, because no. it, it doesn't seem like gritty comes of like a little dirty. Uh, but I think, yeah, this is very clean and it, it just stands out. And I really, I really like how, how everything is drawn and presented here, colored and positioned it's, it's and very all polished it feels very big budget and what's interesting reading it in 2021 is we have technology available to us that we didn't have when this first came out yeah and so if you go to hoopla or dc Universe, you can do guided view and his art flows so well in guided view Mm. like it feels like you're just flipping through movie stills the way it plays out the way he tells a story and that's not something maybe you wouldn't have picked up on it as much reading it in the printed form mm-hmm. back in 1990 1991 yeah 
Uh, good points. Uh, I'm ready to, unless you have something else. We haven't really talked much about about Batman in this story. Well, let's talk about that that guy. He's pretty cool. Yeah, we we've kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, one of the big things for this storyline that we see in the first issue um, is he's working on a vehicle to get him around Gotham. Um, so it, it it very much like he's still he's still working out the kinks. Like he doesn't, when they do use a bat signal later on, it's like a floodlight that they hauled up to the top of the building and they like tape it on basically. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until terror a decade later when they, you know, paint the actual signal uh, logo on top of the signal. So it, it's cool to see the genesis of, of some of these things. And, and Bruce is still very, I like seeing playboy Bruce Wayne. I don't feel like we get that enough. Like we're getting a a hint of it in detective comics right now. Now that he's kind of lost his societal station in modern Batman books, but it's, it's fun to go back and see him like as Bruce going to a party um, and just kind of like him, like strange gets into his head to the point where, you know, he, he breaks the glass. He's almost ready to like throw a radio when he's listening to strange talk in the bat cave and strange is like going off on him. Mm-hmm. Like this is a Batman who's still not questioning his mission, but he's still, you know, moments of doubt. Definitely moments in, of doubt. Yeah. Which it sounds so, maybe thinking way too much into it, but I mean, that's a great story be, it, and it's definitely relatable on a different scale for all of, for all of us of like moments where we do something and we feel like it's having no effect or it's kind of just getting us into more problems. And it's like, Oh damn, am I in the wrong here? And so Jeez. I don't need that yeah. in every Batman story, but some like when it's used effectively, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it and which I know sounds obvious, but like here it's used so effectively and I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I really enjoy that. Well, he's very, he's a very vulnerable Batman. And in, in part four in issue 14, like he's already figured out at this point, you know, that strange is, is behind everything and he goes to confront him. But I mean, strange takes him out with a baseball bat. Um, in part though, it's because uh, strange dosed him with a hallucinogen. And that, that too feels a little Batman Begins because he gets knocked out of Strange's building, hits the fire escape. Uh, he can barely hang on. Um, Thinks of his parents. That, yeah, he starts. we start seeing you know the whole uh, Zorro thing again. And, and there's a very Jack Nicholson-looking Joker. Not Joker. There's a very Jack Nicholson-looking Joe Chill coming around the corner in red, like he's just got this huge, what I think of as a Nicholson Joker and like the Nicholson widow peak um, coming around to shoot his parents and, and just Batman's frantic and he, he's having this whole nightmare and it, it very much feels like Batman begins when Alfred has to come rescue him from the fear gas for the first time. And, and it continues on into Wayne Manor when he finds like his parents, like this goes like deep into what's, into Batman psychosis and um, when so he finds Jack- the two, what we, 
Jack Nicholson. No, was- definitely, definitely made me. The teeth make me think Conrad Veidt, Man Who Laughs. Oh yeah, that <laughs> for too. sure. I mean, which similarities between the two of uh, yeah Nicholson and him? But yeah, carry on. Sorry. It just said he's got like these two parents, like mannequins of his parents inside Wayne Manor, and they're playing this audio, and it's just horrible, horrible imagery. Yeah. Where like his dad is like, because of you, Bruce, the worms are getting fat on us and the way and bruce's eyes are just bulging out of his head just in terror like what are his parents doing here in the rage he feels um i mean he he is brought down by the end of this of this penultimate chapter by strange yeah and I mean, for crying out loud, I couldn't remember Strange Apparitions from just a few months ago. So I can't make a claim that we've never seen this before. But this it stands out in a way that off the top of my head, I can't feel one that's like, oh, this, that's a pretty that's a pretty messed up taunting yeah. by, by another character toward Bruce. So it's effective. It's done really, really well. And again, because I haven't read this probably in a couple of years, when I heard when Strange said to the mayor's daughter and like you did a good a good performance which we didn't even talk about like he's scum too because he kidnaps a woman ties her up and then he like he backhands her and he he implies he hit her with a bat too a baseball bat and stuff so yeah it's a uh scum scum of the earth but when he says a great performance I was like, oh, what did they do? They recorded something. What did they record? And then it wasn't until Bruce returned and the mannequins part. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about this, this angle. It's it's pretty messed up, man. Some yeah. messed up stuff. No, I mean, Strange is definitely not in touch with reality. And the way he treats Catherine is horrendous. Um, just even their date. <laughs> that she reluctantly agrees to just to be polite and just he's so full of himself and she's like i'm done and he thinks it's all about that she has like a thing for batman and and how that sets him off to where he thinks that no i'm batman now you're missing out on all this good batman loving you could have gotten it's like i mean he just goes off the rails by yeah. the end yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> that, that makes sense there hugo but and then, you know, Bruce though he has to retreat to the cave to the dark to just kind of get his head together as he runs through like everything that's happened, and it, it's such a cool moment that we see him, you know, regain his strength and he's just surrounded by the bats and when he resolves that it's time for him to get back to work. Yeah, love it. And the, the coloring too, um, Steve Olive and the Ollie Optics crew. I, part of it's the paper. I think from the day, I mean, it just it Love looks so different Love than any other bat book that's on the stands. I mean, the blues and the purples in this book they just pop off the page. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, like it it's looks just fun to read. Compared to the stuff now, it definitely like it looks old, but definitely in like the charming, uh, artistic way. Not like, oh yeah, that looks dated. It's like no, it just it stands out because it's different, and I, I really like that about it. Yeah, 
I love Bruce whenever he's in the Batcave. That's the part that screams 89 to me a lot. And it, because it it's a cave and it's still early on. But when he's watching the news report and he's kind of kicked back and he's got all the TVs, that feels like yes. Bruce is set up in 89 when he's sitting at the TV. Yeah. So, um, and I wonder, like, I don't think they say her name per se, but that one, she's blonde. So it's like, is that Vicky Vale? Can be if you want it to be. But that's a really good observation. That I, I want it of. to be. It's Vicky. When. When I, when I was reading it, like it didn't, you're a hundred percent right. Like there's not really a lot to the cave yet, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no dinosaur or penny or joker card or trophy case. Yeah. You're that you're right on the money. What did you think of the Batmobile? Um, much like currently, you know, I've heard people that don't, that aren't impressed with apparently what the Batmobile is going to be in the Batman. I can totally understand when they say, cause it doesn't look like a Batmobile. You look at this car and you're like, Oh, that's a Batmobile. Right. So that's what I think of. It's not by any means my favorite design, but just the fact of having a Batmobile Batmobile reveal is like, Oh, cool. And it looks different. So that's cool. Um, that's about as much as I have toward it and it's used in that last chapter which i really like um yeah i think that's that's about all i have on the batmobile it's it's interesting because i see like the influence of the anton first design batmobile yeah like if there's one shot as he's leaving the cave where the the way the wings are scalloped in the back it reminds me of the 89 one the way it's curved in the front a little bit also but it's a little bit fatter but it, it tapers in more to be almost like a bullet yeah that page yeah that one definitely that angle i i it, fully agree with you that remi- that looks 89 batmobile. yeah it, as far as like batmobiles go it's not my favorite design either um i'd love to hear like why what his influences were to come up with that mm-hmm. because there's not anything of I don't see much of a similarity between that and like the, the first couple of Batmobiles that we got in the original comics, in the original titles. So this, it's definitely more of a fresh um, updated take. Like there's no giant bat head on the front. Usually when I think of Batmobiles, I think of the big head and yeah. like the solo fin in the back. The big I think head. of early Batmobiles, I should say. Yeah. Like 1940s, the black, yeah. With the head on the front. And yeah, yeah. 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 Those are fun. Which, you know, Boland used in the killing joke. Yeah. Like, it's always fun to see that design come back in, in the comics, at least. For sure. In live action, it probably wouldn't translate too hot. <laughs> It'd be a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe Matt Reeves. Maybe he's holding off on a reveal, yeah. and that's going to be the real Batmobile in the Batman. We won't know until we're in theaters. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. Uh, that would be. Are you ready to hop into some favorites? Yeah, man. Okay. Well, let's do it. Javi, what is your favorite part of Batman Prey? I think my favorite part of Prey would be the climax in issue 15. Um, 
So I'm going to kind of cheat here. So that way I can have my panel be separate from my favorite part. Um, Batman's fighting the night scourge. Uh, Catwoman briefly assists them. Um, so he can like regroup. Uh, night scourge jumps into his car to get away saying how he's still free. And if he can reach the high ground, he can nail him. But then he sees the Batmobile. Like we've had this buildup of Bruce working on it. Um, the glider wings not being the best him having to walk home and just the way that the night scourge's eyes bulge out, like the toe cutter at the end of Mad Max at the top of the panel. And we just panel by panel focus in on the Batmobile and you see these two little slits of white eyes that are Batman and he just rams into the, the night scourge and flips over his vehicle. And he's like, he's crazy. And just the way he chases him down the Batmobile, it makes this whole build up to it just worth it. It's such a great payoff. It's so cinematic and it's just a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Good part. Mine is in part three, which would then be each, uh, issue number 13. And it's when Catwoman, Night Scourge, and Batman all get in a, in a battle. I love yes. that it starts with Night Scourge and Catwoman. Batman hops in and then he ends, and then he basically defeats Night Scourge and sends him off and running. And then he, he gets hit by Catwoman because as we addressed earlier, she takes a bat to him and she was like, I don't need your help. I, I, I really like that scene a lot. Uh, how about a favorite panel? Cause now I'm intrigued. So favorite panel wise, it, it feels tropey in a way. Cause we've seen it so much since this book came out in 1990, but in issue 14, page three, there's a, a splash page that has the, the credits and the title. And it's, it's just black and white Bruce, young Bruce holding his parents and dripping down from the top is just blood. And in the blood is this monstrous hunter version of Batman. You don't see a face, just two white eyes, but he's hunched over. His hands look kind of claw-like. And it's just like, this is him taking over Bruce's life. I just, it, it's an image we see all the time. Yeah. But Good call. Uh, Gulacy just pulls it off so well. And the black and white for the flashback mixed with like the red for the blood just really makes it stand out when you turn to that page. Good call. Yeah. That's a, that's an attention getting page. It looks good. Uh, mine is the opening page of part two where Batman is walking from the backside of Wayne Manor up to Wayne Manor because he doesn't, he doesn't have his glider. There is no Batmobile and that informs his decision of like, I need to hurry up and get on it with a Batmobile. But I just love that. I love that imagery. That seems a little bit more classic feel and vibe to me. The way that Wayne Manor looks uh, yeah. on the side of a cliff. And then, you know, if you take away all the dialogue, even you just look and you're like that, like, I don't know. That's, it's just like, it's a cool picture. It brings up a lot of, it brings up nostalgia for some reason. And that also 
makes me think Batman 89 a little bit. And yeah, I, I can totally see that. And you can see uh, two pages later as he's walking through and Alfred greets him. Like that's another case of it looks like a castle in a chapter later on. I think it's after he has, after he hallucinates and he returns home, that looks even more like a castle. Uh, so they take, like they take castle influence for Wayne Manor. And I just think that's, it's kind of cool in every, in every regard. So that wins me over Wayne Manor more so than like any other element. And that's not knocking any of the other panels. It's just something really cool with, uh, with Wayne Manor. Now, would you like to see Batman prey adapted in animation? Of course. I'm going to go with you. Hell yes, I would. I think the current um, DC house style that we've seen like long Halloween would be a good match for this book. It's, I mean, it's very clean, just like Gulacy's art is. Um, although who you would cast, I don't, I don't know who I would go with, you know? I mean, it's definitely a younger Batman's. I mean, my go-to for anything voice wise is like Kevin Conroy. Like I'm sure most people, would probably be like Kevin Conroy. He's Batman. But I don't know. I, he maybe might have to go a little bit younger sounding yeah. for this to bring it. Would you do... So I think they could do a 70, 75 minute movie out of Prey and they oh, yeah. wouldn't have to cut anything. Uh, would you... Do you think that it would that they could do that too? Or would they need to cut out some stuff or add some stuff? No, I could... I think they could do it in, yeah. in one like... 80 minute movie for sure. I think that would be, I don't know. I think that'd be really cool. And they're running out of the big, the big heavy hitter stories. The long Halloween is kind of like the last monster Batman story. I mean, oh, I, I mean, I, I, nightfall. I, nightfall, I mean, that, yeah, we'll see if they ever, I'd, come rather, that. I'd rather like if they ever decide to do nightfall, that they just make a Batman animated series. That's just, Season one is Nightfall, season two is Night Quest, and then season three is like Night's End and just have like those individual chapters. I mean, I think I think Tim Sheridan did a fantastic job with the death and return of Superman over those two movies. And so far with part one of the long Halloween, he did a great job with you know, making that monthly book fit into a different medium. Yeah. But like Nightfall, like I don't think you get the scope unless you go big and yeah. and and set it up and and see Batman get worn down chapter after chapter because it's just such a huge cast. Like give everybody their their due. But now we're talking Nightfall, not Prey. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite of monster yeah. scope is Prey. Very I mean, small, but. Yeah, I, I kept reading this and, and thinking of year one. Um, but I also felt like a Nolan influence too. And it, like at times I almost heard Bale when I would read like the Bruce Wayne parts. So I kind of, it, it would have been interesting to have seen some of this hit live action too. Not that, you know, it would fit in with the Dark Knight universe because of how he already brought in Catwoman. But yeah, I would love to see like an animated version of this. 
Hop to it, DC. Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, Javi, what would be your final thoughts on Batman Prey? I think if you haven't read Batman Prey, um, there are a lot of ways that you can get your hands on it now and that you would be well served to get this Batman, this classic Batman tale, you know, as part of your Batman knowledge to like read it and absorb it and just appreciate it for this little gem that not too many, not enough people talk about. Yeah. Which is one of the fun things about the Batman book club is mm. you get these big stories like year one and the long Halloween. And then you get something like prey or ego or the cult, like you said, or even the two issues that the Caruso's did. Yeah. There's so much good Batman content out there. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you let me be on just to, to polish off one of these gems that maybe not everyone knows about. Uh, I'm glad, glad you came aboard and glad it's the book you chose because yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite Batman stories for a reason. I, I think, I think I've said in this hour and 20 minutes, I've expressed why uh, I don't think I've left anything out. It's, I just think it's a good small scope. Batman's still learning his ways, but still has those moments that are pure Batman moments that we've come to love and expect but I mean, the story, I mean, he's still, he's still learning about this, about this uh, character he's created in Batman. And I think it's done perfectly by Doug M. It's illustrated perfectly by uh, Gulasi. So I, I mean, it's a great early Batman story that can definitely fit right after you read or right after you reread Batman year one. And it doesn't contradict and- anything from the future. Yeah, and I really like the timing of us recording this too, because we're right as we record this, we're right in between the releases of Long Halloween parts one and two. And like if you're just waiting for that second movie to come out, like here's a good Batman story to tide you over with that's kind of in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um and would just get you right in that that mood. Get you in the Batman. I, I wanna give a, a shout out to no. Mike Mike okay. Barry on our Batman on film Facebook group. Okay. Uh, Cause you talked about us recording this mm-hmm. and uh, we had a little back and forth conversation and in issue 13, there is uh, a weird little pullout of here's your souvenir poster tear out on the porphyr- perforation. There's this weird predator two pullout. Oh yeah. That has like a full shot of the predator and breaks down all like his gear and hunting season opens again this Thanksgiving. And it's just, it's funny because Gulesi did the art for this and here's an insert for predator two. And then mm-hmm. a few years later he draws Batman predator two. <laughs> so I just weird how things work out. Yeah. And, awesome. and I love the, the portability of the digital, but, uh, it's, it's nice to have physical copies. Nothing beats too. nothing beats physical. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. So <laughs> if it's very, I think hard, maybe not hard, much more just pricey to get your hands on a physical copy these days. Yeah, um, there should be a link if you if you just want to read it because you don't have it, you haven't read it or something. Um, link in the description here. You can get it digitally from Amazon slash Comicsology. So. Uh, Javi, thanks for coming aboard. 
really appreciate you coming back. Yeah. Um, this was a much less stressful recording than the last time we recorded <laughs> together. Uh, That's if, good. If the if the listeners would like to follow you around, where where should they go? Well, I am at Javi True on Instagram, J A V I T R T R U. I'm sorry, on Twitter. Instagram, you can follow me at the Bond is not enough. There it is. I'm not just a James Bond fan. I love Batman, Spider Man, The Flash, Superman, and I will, you know, share pictures all day long about those things. Um, I am a contributor to Batman on Film, and I am currently reviewing Robin, uh, which is an excellent series so far. The Batman. I'm sorry, Batman, The Adventures Continue Season 2, which also has been fun, which is uh, Deanie and Burnett coming back for another season uh, post the new Batman Adventures. Uh, We just saw The Court of Owls for the first time in that animated universe. And when it comes out, I'm also reviewing Batman Catwoman for Batman on film. That's hit a little bit of a snag, and apparently Liam Sharp is going to be uh, filling in for a few issues, which I don't know how I feel about that because I love Liam Sharp. He's got some beautiful detailed artwork, but it doesn't fit in with Clay Man. So now we're not going to get that cohesiveness. I'm uh, just a little bit of a bummer. I'm a stickler on. I like the same image, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't like the art mix up, but who knows? Yeah. Who they're knows? they're don't. very different styles. So I'm curious to see what, if King, how he tweaks his story to go with that. Uh, otherwise, um, I do uh, I help out on the Spider-Man crawlspace.com. Once a month, we do a Patreon show uh, for the Spider Satellites, where we talk about all the books that aren't Amazing Spider-Man that come out that month. And I also, every now and then, write an article on the JamesBondDossier.com. I'm currently, you know, working on the current James Bond Agent of Spectre series that's almost wrapping up. I've written articles defending Quantum of Solace and Die Another Day, talked about posters. Um, So, yeah, you can find me all over the place. He's everywhere. Everywhere. He's everywhere. Excellent. Well, I'm not everywhere, but you can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes, latest episode drops, and sometimes even some giveaways. You can write into the show at thebatmanbc at gmail.com along with Javi. I write for Batman on Film. You can check out all my postings there, which are reviews, interviews. Uh, what else do I got? I'm on their podcast, some social hours, everything on VOF. Um, the Batman Book Club is also now on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanbc or just click on the link in the description of this episode if you would like to support the show. Uh, you can also support the show with merchandise on the Tee Public store with... T-shirts, hoodies, magnets, notebooks, stickers, flags, and onesies for your little loved ones. But if you'd like to support the show and don't want to pay anything at all, that's 100% A-OK. You can do that by helping in the rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You just go to click the link in the description of this episode. It'll take you there. You can help rate and review the show. The more reviews we get, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So, for Javi, I am Ryan. And until next time, Read my Batman comics. <laughs>